A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Welcome to Silmarillion Stories, where the Lorehounds your guides to Tolkien's world of Middle-earth. I'm David. I'm John, and this is our podcast for Of the Sindar, the 11th portion of the Silmarillion. In this episode, we're going to be discussing the birth of Luthien, the first battle of Beleriand, and the hiding of Doriath before answering some listener feedback questions. And definitely send us feedback. We save it all up between episodes. You can send us an email to lotr at thelorehounds.com or visit us at our website. And there we've got a voicemail feature, a contact form. We've also got a Discord server. Links for all of that stuff in the notes below. We've got an active Discord community. We've got a dedicated Tolkien channel and all the other channels that we're covering right now. All the other cover, all the other channels, the other shows. Our shows are not channels. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, also, make sure you stick around to the end of the podcast so you can learn about what we're covering on other shows, what our affiliates are covering, like Alicia covering uh, Beacon 23. 23. I yep. can never remember the number attached to it. Beacon <laughs> 23. Uh, Anthony covering Severance. We got plenty of stuff going on on all the feeds. If you want to support us directly, head over to patreon.com slash lorehounds. You can get ad-free episodes, early access, and a whole bunch more for as little as three bucks a month. We even do annual memberships where we throw mm-hmm, a little mm-hmm. on, and that's about $30 for the year. We've got a lot of other benefits, so check us out. Well, David, that's enough spiel for now. Uh, we have a lot of proper nouns to talk about. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Without me giving you any lead in, what's your hot take on this chapter? It was, it had my head spinning. There were a <laughs> lot of names and places, and it, it wasn't a begot, begats, you know, kind of thing, lineage style stuff, but it really was a setting up more of the world. Mm-hmm. And it's and a geography. Yeah. Chapter. And I, I tell you a geography joke here, but you had to be there. 
<laughs> Are you a dad by chance? Because that's yeah, a definite yeah. dad joke. There you go. Um, yes, but I, I agree with you. It is a whole lot when you're not yeah. familiar with the story. And then there's little drops here and there where you're like, oh, wait, huh, what was that? And then it's gone. And you're like, wait a minute, what? It, like half a sentence about werewolves or something. And you're like, what? Yeah. And oh, then, yeah. 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 And then they just he just moves on. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a lot to try to absorb, especially on a first reading. I think I think, you know, I think it's one of those pro- chapters probably on subsequence that there's probably a lot of richness there. But that's a guess. I still see it. You know, rereading it, I, I, this chapter never sticks out in my mind as significant, mm. and I, I still feel that way upon reread. I mean, there's stuff that happens, but it's really all set up for future events. Like the right. good stuff is in other chapters. This chapter and of Balerion and its realms, I think, are the hardest chapters in the mm. whole book. Okay. Other than that, it's pretty smooth sailing from here on, but. Yeah, I forgot how tough this chapter is. Mm. And it's really because it is him telling you this city you don't know is near this city you don't know is near this city you don't know. And these people you don't know live there. And these people you don't know are friends with them. (laughs) And it's it's really it's really tough. And I think that the best way to conceptualize it, here's my advice to you. If Mm -hmm. you're a listener who has not read this yet and you want to read it, but you're intimidated. It is important to keep in mind that this is an in-universe text. Mm-hmm. This is right. elves right. telling their descendants about the people they knew. And so Uncle Dwarf is living in Belagos, that place that doesn't exist anymore. You know, these are all the places I grew up as a kid. You know, like it's, it's that kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. really, it's Grandpa rambling about where he lived. And <laughs> you just got to kind of go you with it. You have a nickel. Now. Go away. Don't bother me. Right. <laughs> you just kind of got to go with it. Roll with the with the the little bit of right. dense reading here. And I think if you do that, there's some good bits in here. There's some nice, nice little things that we can highlight. And, that, and I think that's what we're going to do here. We're not going to go into every nitty gritty detail. Okay, we're sounds good. Highlight the big things you should take away from this chapter. So yeah, just sort of focus on the utility. Right. Yeah, right. that works. Okay, cool. All right. I'm going to bring in the synopsis now. I broke it down into a few bullet points because I just want to individually highlight a few things. Sounds good. Again, I think this is going to be a pretty short episode because there's mm-hmm. really no narrative here. It's mostly details. It's it's written like a history book, right? right. And that's that's something that this book does all the time. It goes in and out of narrative and history. Mm-hmm. It's true. All right. So we read about Thingol and Melian earlier in the Silmarillion. You know, they mm-hmm. fell in love. Thingol is an elf. He's... He was the head of the Teleri. He did see the trees. Uh, and that's why he was, you know, he was fully uh, Caliquendi rather than mm-hmm. Morquendi. He saw the light. He had the holy light within his his being. And this was the dude that that saw the, the gal in the forest and was like, I love you. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so the gal is Melian and right. she is a Maya. So she is one of the lower tier demigods of this world Mm. and they fall in love and they have a child named Luthien who is the most beautiful child of Iluvatar the most beautiful of all the children of Iluvatar and I don't remember if I brought this up on another podcast but this is inspired by Tolkien's wife Edith correct he he really wanted to capture her beauty as he saw it 
mm-hmm. in Luthien. And so it's it's a very sweet love letter he has to her, basically. Which is then on their gravestones, mm-hmm. right? They're in Luthien. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, yeah, I think it's a, a widely known fact of, of this is the stand-in for, for him and his wife. Right, right. So they are this weird, they're the only instance we know of an elf- commingling with a with a Maya, right? This mm-hmm. is this is the only time that Maiar blood gets mixed with Elvish blood or any any of the children of Iluvatar. And so the line of Luthien, which ends up being the line of like Elrond and Elros and the Numenorians, this is a unique line within this mm-hmm. world. So mm-hmm. that's why this union is just so important. Right. Right. So if you want to ground it to something that you've seen in Rings of Power or in the Lord of the Rings, these are these are the ancestors of uh you know Elrond, Aragorn, all, all these all these historic figures, all right, these really right. heroic figures. Heroic, um, and there's noble, something special yeah. about them because mm-hmm. they have a little bit of holy blood in them. Right, that gives them that extra plus. They're they're right. min plus or elf plus. Right. Right. Um so they because they they have this you know, innate power, right? You have a Maya and you have an elf that has seen the light of the trees. They are leading a group of elves that did not see the light of the trees. And normally we've learned that makes them a little bit lesser than the elves who did see the trees. The elves that did see the trees had a bit of wisdom and holiness within mm-hmm. them that that seems to be portrayed here as being a greater form of elf. Those are the Caliquendi, those who saw the light. The people in Middle Earth who stayed in Middle Earth and never saw the trees are the Moraquendi who who never saw the light. However, because they have these two leaders that are one a god and two somebody who did have the wisdom of the tree, they get sort of secondhand light of the trees, mm-hmm. and they become the Sindar, the Gray Elves. And so, rather than being stuck on either the light side or the dark side, they're somewhere in the middle. Okay. So they're a very unique group in terms of of how they were formed, what their status is, what their standing is. And I, I think they're one of the most interesting groups in Middle-earth. Also, I, I should mention Sindarin, the language of these elves, is the most developed of all the elvish languages. So right. this is the one that you can most learn like a real language. Okay. Uh, yeah, right. So yeah, that's the foundation of the the Sindarin elves. They're okay. very important. They're going to play a big role. R- remember, we had the three branches of elves originally. I should I should reattach my second age elf chart because I think that Probably. would help people. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we had the three branches of elves originally. We had the Vanyar, the Noldor, and the Teleri. The Noldor, remember, that's Feanor's group. The mm-hmm. Vanyar, you don't have to worry about them anymore. They're in. They're in. I mean, and they're not coming back. Okay. But um, for now, you just have to really worry about those two groups, the Noldor and the Teleri. The Teleri splintered off into a, a million factions, and that's okay. why we're getting the Sindar here. Right. All right. That's a lot to go through, but uh, <laughs> I, I, wanted, I wanted to make clear. If you remember nothing else from this, this is the kingdom of Doriath and the Sindarin elves live there. That's right. okay. That's all. Right? Okay. Okay. All right. They have uh, uh, some contact with another 
species that they didn't know existed, the dwarves. They come running, rolling down the mountains. They come rolling down the mountains. They come across the arid Luin, and they are able to make contact with the elves. They can understand each other, but of course, the dwarves are, are smart people. They learn the elvish tongue. The elves are like, we're better than that, and they won't learn the dwarvish tongue. <laughs> but also, it's it's not just that. I should give the elves a little more credit. The dwarves are not wanting to teach their tongue to other people. They're very secretive about it. Right. So when Elrond in the Rings of Power speaks the, you know, Khazad, he speaks Dwarvish, that's a big deal. That, like, right. really earned the trust of a lot of people in that room. Right, and that's why he's friend. Right, and so yeah. that's, that's again, that's why we we do these studies is to have more context when we watch something like Rings of Power. And we don't have, beyond the original making of the dwarves, there's basically no history of of when they woke up, where they woke up. Very little, I should say. They woke up in the east. They, right. I and believe they, just, they say it in this chapter. They woke up east of the Arid Luin. That's the the mountain range right there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you pull up, if if listen, if you are confused right now about <laughs> where things are, Google Beleriand map, and you can see the whole map. There's plenty of images of it around, um, and you can pull up uh, you can't pull up a traditional Middle Earth map because Beleriand doesn't exist at the time of the Lord of the Rings. Right. So keep that in mind. Because it eventually gets subsumed into the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is a region that doesn't exist at the time of the Lord of the Rings. That's why we are uh, talking about a lot of new locations that you wouldn't recognize. In terms of goodwill hunting, it's not your fault. <laughs> well, I'm looking so, at yeah. a map here, so I'm good. Right. So we got we've got this mountain range that is dividing Beleriand from Eriador, which is the area that most of the Lord of the Rings starts in. Right, right. All right. We've got that taken care of. We got that covered. So the dwarves come over the mountains, right? And they want to make contact. Uh they have this sort of uneasy relationship with Thingol uh and his and his people, but they get some gifts of knowledge from Melian. They're taught some things by the Sindarin. They're taught some things by Thingol and Melian. And they build for Thingol the fortress of Menegroth, which is an underground fortress. And this is a, a cavernous. This is all caves. You know, Wait, wait. Isn't is it, it mean like the thousand caves or something yes, like that? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. It was on the tip of my tongue, so thank you for, for saying <laughs> it. Uh, yes, it's a thousand caves. It is this cavernous um, you know, fortress that is just for Thingol. Uh, Thingol is, of course, the king of Beleriand. He's he's named himself the king of this region. Mm-hmm. Well, he well the the Noldor and the Vanyar are gone, so we'll see how that comes into play with the power dynamic as Feanor comes back into the picture. Okay, you know. Um. So the dwarves help him create that fortress. They also stock his armory at his request. I'm mixing different times here because I want to make sure that we keep the peoples together. But mm-hmm. just keep in mind, this is all well. Melkor is in prison. This still, is all oh, right. Is this is up. still. We backed up. Right. We backed up. And he does that sometimes. You're, it, he kind of layers over these timelines. Yeah. So yeah. it's easy to to get lost. Like, wait a minute. I thought, yeah. Right. So we backed up to when Melkor is still imprisoned. Uh, and 
so the dwarves help him sort of prepare for an impending invasion of Melkor if he comes back. And Mm. also the dwarves are like, hey, buddy, the Valar might say they solved the problem, but they absolutely didn't. There's still orcs out there. There's still monsters out there, werewolves, you know, all these all these issues. And you're going to need to arm yourself. And Thingol goes, yeah, you're right. I got to protect my kingdom. So the dwarves end up, you know, giving him that warning. Uh, and from across the mountains, some of the Nandor, led by Denethor, which is a familiar name, but not the same yeah. character. Yeah, I was not like, wait the same a character. Right. He's named after this character. Right? Okay. Um, and if you'll notice, they say in this chapter that when Denethor dies, the Nandor never took another king or his people mm-hmm. never took yes. another king. Uh, think about Denethor being the last steward of Gondor. Mm-hmm. So Tolkien likes these kind of cyclical things. Right, right. End of and sort of end of lineage. Yeah, it's like placeholder, open space. Yeah, their drama can happen in these in these kinds of uh, gaps. Right. This is, as far as we know, the first Denethor. So he's he's okay. the actual namesake. So yeah, they they come by. Uh, they settle in Assyrian, which is closer to the mountains. It's by a bunch of rivers, and that's where the uh, the uh, Nandor settle. Okay. At least this, and this portion in, of Nandor. I should be clear. They split. So this is Denethor's Nandor. And this is uh, to the west here. It's it's Land to the, the west of the rivers? mountains, but it's to the east of Doriath. Right. Doriath okay. is kind of smack in the middle of Beleriand. Right. Again, pull up the map. Yeah, I'm looking uh, at Dor- it right now. Doriath is kind of smack in the middle, a little bit to the north of Beleriand. Yep. Yep. And then towards the southeast of Beleriand on the edge of the mountains, you'll see a Syriand. Yeah. The land of the seven rivers is what my map says. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, again, a lot of geography, you don't really need to remember all these regions. It's okay. You can, Mm -hmm. you can relax, let it wash over you if you need to. (laughs) Uh, Just remember that (laughs) you have the Sindar, you have the, the Nandor. They are all coming together in this region of Beleriand. So now Melkor Morgoth got freed. He kills the trees. Right. And he returns to Angband. Ungoliant, we finally learn, settles in Ered Gorgoroth, mm-hmm. which is, you'll, you'll recognize that uh, as a name that's reused in Mordor. Okay. Uh, so this is, this is a place where a lot of spiders end up. Becoming. It's a, it's a not, it, it sounds like a, a not nice place, even just the name. Yeah, it's not no. great. Eric we haven't Gorgoroth. seen the very end of Ungoliant yet, but we're getting there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's really mostly a footnote. But, you know, Melkor is ramping back up. He's like, all right, well, I killed the trees. Now it's time to reclaim power. I've got the Silmarils in my crown mm-hmm. and I'm ready to go to town against the elves because I really don't like those guys. So Morgoth, Melkor Morgoth, whoever you want to call him, he sends an army against Menegroth, the fortress of Thingol. And is fought off by the Sindar, the the elves of Denethor, and the dwarves. And Denethor dies, leaving his people to be renamed the Green Elves. Right. Which caught my attention. Because I always like playing rangers and, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> half-elf rangers in my D&D games. That was like my, prime, my first character. Right, right. And so, yeah, oh, I was like, oh, Green Elves. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know if it actually translates at all, but. Right. Yeah, so the most important thing here is that this scares Thingol. This mm-hmm. makes him go, okay, we got to do something to keep these forces out. Because obviously, we almost died here. 
you know, I need to protect my people. I'm the king of Balerion. I need my fortress needs to be secure. So he goes up to Melian, and his wife. He says, hey, babe, I need your help. <laughs> Please help. <laughs> and she uses her mystical Maya powers to create what's called the Girdle of Melian. And this is a ring of forest around the kingdom of Doriath that causes confusion to travelers. So it's mm. really like impossible to navigate. Right. And that's that becomes the greatest defense of Doriath. So this becomes a hidden kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's basically impossible to find. Um, and that's really when the kingdom gets named Doriath. I've just been calling it that because that's what I know it as. Right. And the last note I'll say is that Feanor arrives in Middle-earth. So that's your setup for next chapter. Okay. Or, or I Actually, it's kind of two chapters from now because next chapter is about the sun and moon. So we're back in Valinor. Okay. He jumps around a lot. Right. You know, just just thinking about the reading and looking at the map, there's so much rich story potential in this. There's so much conflict. There's orcs, there's werewolves, there's spiders, there's big bad, there's mystical, for, you know, uh, hidden, hidden uh, forest uh, kingdoms, caves for days. This would be a really rich place to play in be it you know a video games or be it role-playing games uh or even more stories you know mm-hmm. like you know just doing this sort of the thousand voices thing right like wow there's a richness into this um locality and all of the different forces that are coming and going and meeting each other first contact between the elves and the and the dwarves mm-hmm. uh yeah it's it's i think you could really get lost in this Balerian uh, storyline. Yeah. So I think that's part of why people were a little bit cranky about Rings of Power is that they <laughs> felt, well, really, it's it's that they felt it's a missed opportunity mm. because the first age has so much more room to play in. Mm-hmm. And the second age is kind of one small story. You know, the second age is all one chapter of the Silmarillion. Right. Right. And and that's the only place that they have to play. And and I think a lot of people would really like to see the early first stage like this kind of stuff. But there's a rights issue. They don't have the rights to produce right. this stuff. So you, right. you get what you get when you have the rights, you know? Yeah. And it's a, it's a shame because the, it, there is such a richness in this time and place. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got enough story uh, foundational stones that are laid out with all of these things, but there's still plenty of room to to weave narrative between them. So you right. would have your sort of uh, navigational beacons that you could place yourself in quite easily, but yet still have plenty of room to tell interesting story. Right. Tolkien gives you the outline here. And yeah, you could exactly. absolutely be a screenwriter and write a really great story around these events. Mm. Shame. Shame. Yeah. And there's, and if, if the Tolkien estate has never let go of the, the, these rights, then yeah, it's completely locked out. Yep. Cause I think a lot of the rights for a lot of other stuff too, are derivative of those initial rights that he signed away. Yes. So, so yeah. So that, that's basically where we're at now. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, let's go over quickly just what we learned today. You know, okay. <laughs> just the, the, <laughs> the very basic points here. You've got a new kingdom to remember, Doriath. Got it. It is right the big the kingdom, the hidden kingdom 
of Thingol and Melian. That's an elf and a Maya. This is a very important union of elf and Maya in Middle-earth. They have a child, Luthien, who you'll need to remember for later, but they'll remind you who she is too. Right, right. Um, and and that's learned- a fame. It's like one of the most famous stories. Too. Right, right. You, you've got uh, the Sindarin elves uh, that are a new faction. You've got the dwarves of Belagost and Nagrod. Uh, that's a new faction. Uh, you have the first battle of Beleriand. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, there's going to be a chapter coming up called the fifth battle. So okay. that, that there's a <laughs> there there's like a specific chapter called the fifth battle. There's no battles called the first or fourth. Mm-hmm. So it's just funny. You can keep track of it if you really want to, but it doesn't really matter. And um, so then uh, you you have the girdle of Melian. That's really the most important thing here, I think, okay. is that cool. this kingdom is set up and you have a, a sort of force field around it that's causing confusion to travelers. Right, right. That's so going to be very important going forward. Okay, good. Good things to keep in mind. In, yeah. Keep in mind of. So that's not that many things to remember, I think. Mm-mm. No, I think I'm good. I mean, centering on Doriath and that it's got this protective thing around it. Yeah, I'm, I think that. Yep. I think that's helpful. That's it's a lot of information. Girdles. And it's all <laughs> boiled down to just, just remember the girdle. Just remember the girdle. All right, David, it's only been 25 minutes since I know. we started recording. <laughs> And we have no feedback today, so it's okay. it's a, a weird one. It's a it's a weird Silmarillion story because I we could have probably combined this with of the sun and the moon, yeah. But I think it's nice to have a short episode when we're doing something this dense mm-hmm. because it is you know it's hard to track, right? So remember Doriath. That's what we'll, and and rip Denethor. Okay. Yes. Pour one out for poor Denethor. Pour one out for Denethor. Great. Well, uh, I guess if we're going to wrap it up, we can just uh, talk a little bit about what else is going on in Lorehound verse. I believe Alicia oh, and, is. And let's give the yes. assignment for next month. Oh yes, of course. You must uh, we're going to talk about of the sun and moon. Okay. And the and the hiding of Valinor. It's this, it's one chapter. Things. It's just okay. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to go back to Valinor for one chapter. It's a pretty short chapter too. I think it'll be a nice way to end the year with it. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, um, yeah. So in Lorehound verse, uh, Alicia is busy. She's got, she just did all that stuff for fall of the house of Usher, which, uh, I think you guys really enjoyed. You guys had a podcast about it. She talked to Anthony about it. She did some live readings. She did a little radio drama stuff. Yeah. We were gushing about it that whole podcast. We, yeah. we both were really, really infatuated with that series. I think. Very cool. I have not finished it. I got about, I think I got to the third episode. And then other stuff was just happening. So Right. I think that show, more than Mike Flanagan's other shows, ended on a really satisfying note. That's good. His other shows That's have good. kind of not stuck the landing sometimes. Mm-hmm. And this one, I thought, ended really satisfyingly. What was the one about the island? Uh, with Midnight the, Mass. Yeah. It, it really didn't end great, especially in the Oh, the I love the ending of that one. But the visual effects were... I, they ran but out it's of not about the visual effects. It's, no, ever. but it did. <laughs> I'm watching anyway. Doctor Who, so my visual effect uh, floor is, very, down, is like at the low. rock bottom right now. <laughs> um, so she and Luke are about to pick up a new show called Beacon 23. It's on the MGM Plus streaming service. If we need another streaming service, you got that one. And um, I think a couple of episodes are out and they're going to chunk up the episode. So it's not going to be an episode by episode coverage, but 
Um, she's going to do that. And then I think, did she have anything else for the rest of the year? I know we're going to have her on some, we've got some Marvels coming up. We just finished Loki. We're going to do a recap of the Marvels movie. Um, and then we've got some other MCU stuff that we're going to do before. Well, the end I, of the year. I think she and I are going to talk about the Doctor Who specials. Oh, in that's some right. Capacity. I right. just sent you a DM, David. Ugh, has, what is that? That is one of the monsters from the season I'm on on Doctor Who. Oh, <laughs> Looks lordy! So, bad. so that's my special effects floor. If you if you Oof. want to Google this, it's Lazarus from Doctor Who. It's that is some it's bad. That, not that's, for the faint of heart. That's some. Uh, Video game. That's like B grade video game. Uh, that was in a live action TV show. Oh my lord! Okay, <laughs> there you go. All right, yeah, but uh, Anthony, Anthony is over doing Severance. Yes, Anthony and Steve are, are doing uh, Severance. They finished up their uh, season of remake movies, and then we'll uh, post everybody when they're uh, ready with their next round of uh, movie review slate. And then once Severance comes on, Severance season two, we're expecting it early next year. Uh, all four of us, Anthony, Steve, uh, you and I are going to be doing a week by week episode by ep- episode coverage. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm going to call it now fall 2024. Ooh, no, I think we're okay, man. Because I I heard it was pretty, it sounded pretty good early 2023 mm. from sources. So it I would, don't know. That would not be I great. I don't know. Not yeah. with the SAG strike just ending. Yeah, they were close though. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, what else? There was something else I was going to mention about um, coverage that we had going on. Oh, yeah. The Star Wars Film Festival. Because right after we finish recording tonight, I'm going to go watch the 19, uh, was it 1977? Was that the holiday special? Uh, I don't, I doubt it. Oops, I got a Star Wars <clears throat> holiday special. Let's see. 1978. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to go watch the, the 1978 uh, holiday special, and then we're going to be recording that. <laughs> and that will be our December special edition Christmas, you know, holiday, whatever for our mm-hmm. Star Wars film festival. So it's that's 98 minutes. It is they long. spent 98 minutes on this. <laughs> Wait till you see this thing, man. It oh is my God. I got to watch riot. this tonight. It is a riot. Oh boy. All right. And well, we're covering I think it'll be solo fun to before talk that. About. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're covering solo before that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. What else do we got? That's all for now. I think so. We got plenty going on, but you, you all know where to find us. All right. Uh, Patreon shout outs quickly. Sure. Yes, we have a Patreon. Join it. We sure do. <laughs> We'd love to have your support. And one of the things, if you're a lore master, which is our top tier, you get a shout out on every podcast. So Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H, Michael G, Michelle E, David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter OH, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Andra B, Kwang Yu, Laura G, Deadeye Jedi Bob, Nathan T, Alex V, Aaron T, Sub-Zero, Aaron K, and last but not least, Adrian, who will always forever be last in our list of <laughs> lore masters. By special, <laughs> by, request. By special request, yeah. <laughs> Thank you funny. all so very much for your support. Thank you to all our patrons and 
uh, everyone who does give us a listen. We really appreciate it a lot. And we have a lot of fun. I think we did a two hour, 45 minute second breakfast last night we were recorded. So right. uh, plenty of content in the Patreon feed. Yes. Very, very fun. And we're working on for patrons. We're going to be doing a end of year ranking system. We've got some folks on the discord who are going to put uh, together a top 10 list. So anyone who's a patron can uh, patron subscriber can put in their top 10 movies of the year and we're going to get a community ranking going and uh, yeah, we've got some other stuff on the way. So good stuff. All right, David, next month we're reading of the sun and moon and the hiding of Valinor. And I'm excited because we're Sounds getting, good. we're getting into the meat of it. Okay. I'm looking All forward right. to it. See you then. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by the Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash the Lorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin at, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away in timeline order from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.